Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. going to be here in service on that Sunday morning. There will be no service that night. And so uh, just keep that in mind. I will mention that again on Wednesday. Try to keep you apprised of all of that as we go along the way. Exodus chapter number 19. Exodus chapter number 19. And I want to begin reading in verse number one and just read a few a few verses of scripture. Just a few verses of scripture here in the second book of the Bible. The Bible states these words. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God. And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. A key verse for us tonight is verse number four. He says, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings And brought you unto myself. Can we say that last phrase together? And brought you unto myself. Amen. With the help of the Lord tonight, we want to minister from these groupings of Scripture. Amen. And I want to uh, somehow, I don't have a title per se for this tonight, but I want to somehow convey to this body of believers tonight Uh, One of the primary reasons of God's real purpose in delivering us. One of the primary reasons of God's real purpose in delivering us. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Will you raise your hands right now to heaven and ask for the Lord's help in this service tonight? Father, I come to you, Lord, and I need Jesus, your spirit. I need, oh, Lord God, for you to move, Lord, upon my mind and upon my heart. Help me, God, to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, sensitive, Lord, to the working God of your spirit tonight. I pray, oh, God, that you're able to do a work, Lord Jesus, God, that perhaps, Lord, I may not understand or totally, Lord God, can wrap my heart my mind around but God your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts oh God and Lord so we give ourselves unto you and we ask oh Lord that you do your perfect purpose and your perfect plan Lord Jesus here tonight in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen to the church say amen amen you may be seated tonight in Jesus name 
There he is tonight. I believe we can agree perhaps as a congregation here this evening that there is no better story to celebrate than the story of deliverance. I don't know about you, but my heart swells within me whenever I hear about even throughout God's word the provision that the Lord provided for the deliverance of his people on multiple occasions and from multiple things. We, even as a a church and as Christians, have a means of gravitating towards stories of deliverance. It's those... uh, Watermark stories of David and Goliath that we love to tell and retell. And I don't know about you, I like, I like to hear them again of a young, ruddy-faced lad who is young, who's coming against a man that's been a man of war from his youth, and David is still yet a youth. And yet with the inspiration of God, feeling as though that he has a commission from heaven to go to the valley of Elah, sling a stone, amen from his little uh, sling and it land in the head of Goliath and take down an arch enemy of God's people I just gravitate toward the story of deliverance that is there we love the stories even in the book of Daniel uh, you can preach them with me and, and tell me of them yourselves of the three Hebrew boys that's in a fiery furnace who uh, absolutely are not going to bow or bend whenever the music is played again as the scripture says, although they know that they would be thrown into a fiery furnace that is heated seven times hotter than what it was previously, and yet they stand. They do not bow. They do not bend. They're resolute concerning their commitment to God. They find themselves thrown into a fiery furnace. The heat is on, you might say, but the Bible says on the outside they are starting to denote there is, as it were, a fourth man that was in the fire walking among them and the Bible records their deliverance comes not even the smell of smoke upon their clothes not any hair on their body is singed I love these type of stories these are more than just Sunday school stories we taught our children in Sunday school class these are the handiworks of God and his deliverance Daniel and the lion's den amen a Daniel that's going to pray regardless of whatever has been written amen to snafu him and trick him and make him deter from his allegiance to God he's going to open that window at the same time every day he's going to pray the prayers unto the Lord even if it means facing a lion's den and we know through the scripture don't we we know that the Lord would deliver him even from the mouths of the lions to the the, the uh, disbelief perhaps of some on that day that when they would cry out into that den that Daniel would actually reply that he had endured the night. I love these stories of deliverance. Amen. They showcase the power of our God. They showcase his ability to do anything. Whenever I consider all of the stories of deliverance in scripture I love to see somebody that the odds are stacked against them and yet they come out on top. I love to see it whenever 
where there are attacks on every side and yet the Lord seems to make a way where there is no way. Coming out of dire situations and evils, seemingly unscathed and unaffected by them. My heart races whenever I read the Psalms and as I turn page after page, I read of God's deliverance that the psalmist is accounting unto me. The psalmist tells me that he was delivered out of all of his afflictions. He tells me he was delivered out of all of his troubles out and from all his transgressions. He says in another place of scripture, imagine this, he says, I have been delivered from all of my enemies. I've been delivered from all my fears. In one place he even says, I've been delivered from death. Brother Trout, my soul soars whenever I read verses of scripture like that because I've had some troubles in life too and I've had some enemies that assailed me too and I've had some transgressions I've got to have get over too. But the Bible says that David said, the Lord has delivered me from all of those things and he's alive today to tell the story. My heart swells whenever I read these stories of deliverance. Whenever I read them and I hear them, whether it's from the scripture or modern day, it just puts a little uh, uh, excitement in my spirit. It almost makes me want to take my fist, Brother Alex Mason, and just pump it in the air a little bit as a victor. Amen. Believing that God had come through again. That no matter how dark the night, amen, the morning will come. And no matter how oppressive an adversary that God is greater and those of us that have his spirit greater is he that's within you than he that is within the world I relish the stories of deliverance and I appreciate them of the Old Testament and of the New Testament but I tell you I like modern day stories of deliverance as well I like when someone stands up amen or I hear they testify to me and tell me I have been delivered from nicotine or I've been delivered from alcohol I love the stories of prison and those that say I've been delivered from a promiscuous lifestyle or I've been delivered from lust or I've been delivered from ungodly desires all of those things does my heart well and yet in the scriptures of the Old Testament there is something that we read that perhaps one of the big biggest days of deliverance in the Old Testament is when God sent Moses to Egypt to be a deliverer of a whole nation of people out of another nation of people. God sent Moses to be a deliverer for his people from Egypt. And the thing that we must understand about God being a deliverer when it comes to all these natural things, if it's called nicotine or alcohol or a promiscuous life, amen, whenever God delivers us from those things, there is a relationship between us and God that gets healed in the same moment. The Bible tells us in the New Testament or in the Old Testament scripture, the very first book of the Bible, we read concerning the sin and the transgression of Adam and Eve. And we are our, our hearts fall whenever we read in the closing verses of chapter number two. Amen. In chapter number three, I should say rather, when we read in the closing verses that because of the fall, because of sin, because of transgression, the Bible says that there was a cherubim, an angel of the Lord, set at the entrance into the Garden of Eden with a flame 
flaming sword. And now Adam and Eve, in order to guard the tree of life, the Bible says, and our hearts fall thinking, my goodness, that's a horrible thing. Transgression and sin came, and it's kept them from paradise. It's kept them from the Garden of Eden. It's kept them, if you will, from the tree of life. But I have one better than that. Amen. What transgression and sin in the garden kept them from more than the garden itself and more than the tree of life. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve, amen, took inventory of their life and they seen that they were naked and they noticed that and their heart was filled with shame, the Bible says that they hid themselves from the presence of God. Amen. More than not being able to go to the garden and more than not being able, amen, to have access to the tree of life was this very solitary thing that it separated them from the presence of God because sin whatever you call it whatever God may have delivered you from whatever that may have been it always separates us from a relationship with God the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 50 59 I believe it is in verse 1 Isaiah says this he says behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save God can do that neither is his ear heavy that it, 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 it cannot hear. He can hear. He said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. In other words, this is not about God not being able to deliver or God not being able to hear or God not being able to reach you. But the iniquity, the sin, amen, sets up, if you will, a boundary keeping, amen, you from having a relationship with God or from God having a relationship with you. It's the very thing that happened in the beginning and it's the very thing that happens all throughout scripture that people find themselves bound and incarcerated by things, by places, by people and in all of that in reality they were separated from being able to have a relationship with God. But the Bible, the greatest deliverance story of the Bible in the Old Testament is whenever Moses came to get the children of Israel, amen, out of Egypt. The Bible says here is a nation that is incarcerated by Egypt. They are, if you will, indentured servants. They are slaves. They are under the, 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 the tutelage of hard taskmasters. Amen. Some days they get to make brick with straw. Other days they have to make brick without straw. And they got to keep the same number of brick. And so this is the way in which they lead their lives. They are being taken advantage of. They're being made to build the cities of the king of Pharaoh. Amen. They are being made, amen, to do things that they otherwise of their own volition would not do. Amen. They are under the hands of hard taskmasters. But the Bible tells Tells us in Exodus chapter number three, I believe it is, that finally, because of this burden and this captivity and everything that had come upon their lives, the Bible says that finally that the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And Mo and the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, he says, I have heard their cry. They cried out to me now, I've heard their cry, and I know their sorrows. 
and I've come down to deliver them out of Egypt. I'm going to remember God's purpose for bringing them out in another place of scripture we see. He brought them out to bring them in. I'm going to bring them. This is what the Lord spoke to Moses. He says, I'm going to bring them into a good land. This is going to be different from Egypt. I'm going to bring them into a good land. It's going to be a large land. It's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. It's going to have all of these perks. Amen. They're going to have allocations of this land. There's going to be portions of this land given to them and their families for generations to come. They're going to have resources in this land that's going to be given to them. And he says, I want you to go into that land and I want you to be my deliverer. Someone say, amen. And so God wanted Moses to deliver Israel, amen, from Egypt. Be instrumental in doing that. And so whenever God spoke to Moses concerning this, he's on the backside of a desert. He sees a burning bush, and God speaks to him from that burning bush and commissions him to be a deliverer for his people. And whenever Moses begins to talk to God about this deliverance, amen, he wanted God to send him with some signs in order to qualify that he was sin of God. He wanted God to give him his name so that he could speak to them that the God of Isaac and of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you to be your deliverer. But in all of this, something that God spoke unto Moses was this. He says, I'm taking them into the land of Canaan. That's where you're going to take them. You're going to take them over to the land that's right now inhabited with Canaanite and Perizzite and, and Amorite, all the ites. All the ites are over there. You're going to go in. That land that is now theirs is going to be yours. He says, listen to the voice of the Lord. This is what I want you to do. And, the, and Moses says, Lord, how is it that I will know with certainty that this thing is so. How will I know for sure that this will take place and this will happen? And the Lord spoke to him in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 12. Here he is. He says, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, God says, and shall be a token, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God up on this mountain. You shall serve God up on this mountain. He's at Mount Horeb right now. He's in this mountain range of Horeb, Sinai, all in this area. He says you're going to know with certainty that this is so because you're going to bring them out here to this mountain to worship. And so when Moses, just gives me a little time here, when Moses goes into the land to be the deliverer that God wants him to be, he walks into the courts of Pharaoh and he leads with this. Pharaoh, let my people go so that we can take a three-day journey into the wilderness and serve and worship the Lord there. You see that commonly spoken of over and over through the plagues, through the lice, through the frogs, through the death of the firstborn. The voice of Moses and Aaron is constantly saying, let my people go that they may serve the Lord in the wilderness. Not one time do you ever see Moses say, let God's people go so they can get to the land of milk and honey. Not once do you ever hear him say, let God's people go so they can get their portion of the land of Canaan. No, first and primary and first and foremost, it was let God's people go so they might serve me in the wilderness. 
Folks, whenever I read my text to you tonight, that text said unto you and to I this thing. He said, speak unto the children of Israel and let them understand that they've seen what I did unto the Egyptians. They've seen what I did to their adversaries. They've seen what I did at the Red Sea and I drowned the whole army of them. Amen. In the same water that I parted that they could go across. They've seen what I did right then. They, they understand how I bore them up on eagle's wings how I protected them if I might say tonight you saw how I delivered them you saw how I brought them out but this is the notable thing to me tonight in verse 4 he says I brought you unto myself I brought you unto myself yeah there's a land of milk and honey and yes there's a place of allocations for you that you're going to have and perks of that land and resources of that land he says, but before you go to Canaan, you got to stop by the Mount of God. Before you go on into the promised land and step over the Jordan River, with all the perks that it has, you got to stop by the Mount of God and you need to worship there and you need to serve there and you need to just somehow hone a relationship with me there. Can I tell this group of people tonight that God's purpose for deliverance many times is not the deliverance itself, but that deliverance is a vehicle whereby he can bring us to himself. Oh yes, we say, well, someone asked, us, did the Lord deliver you so and so? Yeah, he delivered me from alcohol. Well, thank God, he delivered me from this and from that. That's great, but God delivered you from something, but he also delivered you to something, and what he delivered you to was himself. He delivers us for a relationship. He delivers us, amen, for some communion with him. Someone say amen. Because here's the fact of the matter, folks. If we just give you milk and honey from the land of Canaan, if we just give you land from the land of Canaan, amen, and you went from bondage to freedom in the land of Canaan with all of its perks, and you never founded a relationship with God, you never stopped to worship the Lord, you never stopped to serve the Lord, then everything that's a perk over there is going to rather ensnare you than be a blessing to you. Rather than being a benefit, it's going to be your pitfall because the reason that God delivers is not for you to have life all great and grand and walk on streets of gold. No, no, no. His purpose for deliverance is that you will have a relationship with him. Amen. Someone say hallelujah. 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 He says you're going to come to the mount of God. And they did. They arrived there. They stayed there for several days. As a matter of fact, whenever Moses is recounting the story again in the book of, of Deuteronomy, the Bible says that the Lord finally speaks to them and he says, you have compassed this mountain, speaking of that Sinai Horeb area. He says, you compassed this mountain long enough. It's time to go forward and inherit the land. Amen. God is the only one that says when you've spent enough time with him. God's the only one that says when you spend enough time with him. He says, I know we got to get this foundation right here right. They need to know how to, because if you read the scripture, folks, when he takes them to the Mount of God, you know what happens right after that? He's given them the law. Uh-huh. He's given them the law. 
He's given them the precepts. He's given Moses the pattern to the tabernacle of the wilderness, which all has to do with the way that they would worship the Lord. Amen. He's trying to solidify in the hearts and the minds of the people a relationship with him first. Amen. God sets those guys. See, for us, in our, in our modern day thing is this. Commandments, statutes, and judgments. Oh, that's all the thou shalt nots. I'm a walking. That's all the, 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 the thou shalt nots. And we look at it sometimes as stuff that's lorded over us. Thing that's hanging over our head. Thou shalt, and there's thou shalt too. Thou shalt nots, thou shalt. We see all these laws and commandments and stuff. Man, this is just so cumbersome. But we need to really understand all of these commands and things are means by which he can protect his relationship with us. Amen. All of the commandments, amen, the word for commandments in the Old Testament even comes from an Aramaic word, which means joined or connected. Those commandments had a purpose to keep his people joined and connected to him. It wasn't about, it wasn't about prohibiting you privileges. He says, but I can't give you milk and honey till you get relationship. I can't take you across Jordan and give you land until you get just fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. He brought us out to bring us in, but not without a mount, mount of God in between. Amen. God savors and protects the relationship that we have with him. Amen. He does. When we read in the Old Testament writ, the Bible speaks that whenever they left Egypt, they could either have went north or they could have went south. They could have went north. The Bible says, he says, I'm not going to take them through the land of the Philistines, which is in the southern port of Israel at that time. He says, I'm not going to allow them to go through that land. Pre-adventure, that they'll meet war from the Philistines. And whenever they meet trouble and war, Sister, Sister Adams, if they do that, they'll have a tendency to want to return to Egypt because things have gotten hard. They're going to war. Like, I, I, I'm not going to take them that route. So instead, we're going to go south, and we're going to cross over the Red Sea. All right? We're going to cross over the Red Sea. I'm going to part the Red Sea for them in order for them to get to the other side. But here's the fact of the matter. The Bible says when they went south, they were met by the Amalekites there, and there was still war. Now, God, what's the harebrained idea? If you're going to take them north, don't go take them north because they might have war. But you take them south and the Amalekites meet them there and they still have war. What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Because going the southern route provided the sea of the Red Sea. <laughs> Hear me now. It provided the Red Sea. They were able to cross the Red Sea because God made a way for them through the Red Sea. Hear me now. And whenever the waters crash back upon the Philistines or, or the Egyptians and their enemies and they drown there in the sea, if they had any idea, amen, that they ever wanted to return back, God had already provided a boundary where they couldn't go back. Why? Because that's how much he thinks about his relationship with his people. He does not want a half-hearted thing. He does not want 1%, 50%, or 99% of us. He wants 100% of us. And if necessary, he'll provide boundaries in our life in order to ensure the relationship he wants with his people. 
Amen. Because some of us would go back at the drop of a hat if it weren't for the boundaries in our life. Amen. <laughs> he says, we're, I'm providing boundaries here because I want them to serve me. I want them to love me. I brought them out, yes, and I'm going to bring them in, yes, but I'm going to bring them unto myself. I'll bring them into myself. And I'll never uh, forget whenever this hit me so hard, and not this particular scripture, but this, this concept of idea. It was years ago. It was, it was back like in 2004. My wife and I was still evangelizing, and we were preaching at different churches. And we were preaching at one particular church, and uh, the pastor of that church was, was known and revered as a prophet, and he was. And I remember going there preaching oftentimes, and we left more, more I think, ministered to than what we ministered into them. And uh, there was one service that we had one particular night at that time they were having church in a basement of a house and one particular night the spirit of the Lord was moving the gifts of the spirit was in operation and I still have this on some audio somewhere on my computer somewhere amen the prophecy that the Lord spoke to my wife and I and I'll never forget though some of the opening words that God spoke in that moment he said I would say unto thee that thou art chosen vessels and I've seen your dedication but these are the words that I remember he says and I'm visiting thee this night he says, I'm calling you unto myself this night. I'm calling you unto myself. Why? Because that is paramount. Oh, Shataya. That's paramount. It's not what he could do in our ministry of evangelism. God will not call us to any perk until we, we are called unto him personally first. Amen. The way to Canaan goes by a mountain. The way to Canaan goes by the mount of God. Hallelujah. He says, I'm going to bring them out to bring them in. But they're going to go by the mount. You're going to know with certainty that this is so because you're going to stop at Horeb. And they're going to remember that I am the Lord their God which delivered them. You'll remember the story. New Testament scripture I think bears this out beautifully in the word of the Lord. The Bible speaks that there's a time that Jesus was entering a particular city, and this is found in Luke 17. Entering into a particular city, and there were, the Bible says, ten lepers. Ten lepers. Of course, being a leper, they were unable to rub shoulders with, have any dealings with the regular society, by and large. The disease that they have was communable. Uh, there was no known cure for it. And so there are these ten lepers that beseech the Lord that he would cleanse them of their leprosy. And the Lord's word to them was this. He said, go shew yourself unto the priest. He says in another one of the gospels, he says, take the gifts that Moses' law requires and give that unto the priest because there were certain things they had to bring according to the Old Testament for the cleansing of themselves as lepers. Nobody had ever seen that brought because no leper had ever been cleansed. 
And he says, you go take those things and you, you take them to the priest. And the Bible says plainly in Luke 17, it says, as they went, Brother Rasko, as they went, the boys start to figure out, I'm not oozing over here anymore. I got feeling in my fingertips. Because leprosy was known to take care of uh, the sensations in your body, your feelings. It, it took you to a place that uh, it disabled you from feeling. So that if you cut your hand, you didn't even have any pain. Which is a bad thing because infection sets in, you don't know it. It desensitized you. It's in the Old Testament related to modern day sin, leprosy was. And as these boys went, the Bible says, their skin became clear. Yeah, they, they, they were healed of their leprosy. And the Bible says one of them turns from the group that's walking to the tabernacle. And he goes back to the Lord. And he praises and worship. And the Lord says to him, was there not ten? Where are the nine? Because what's happened in this moment? God just delivered them. God just delivered them from a life of leprosy. From a life of being desensitized to the things around them. From a life of being excommunicated from society. From a life of being untouchable. He's just delivered them from all of that. And set them on a journey to the tabernacle with offerings for the perk of their cleansing. The, the paperwork if you said that he is a bona fide cleansed leper. But as they made their way and one was cleansed, I believe something rose in his spirit. I can't go for the full paperwork of my cleansing until I stop back at Jesus Christ and serve and worship and have a relationship because I understand deliverance wasn't given to me just to be delivered, just so I would have no more losing in my body. Deliverance was given to me so I would have a relationship with God you weren't delivered just to sit on a pew you weren't delivered just to give in the tithing and the offering you were delivered from whatever it was you were delivered from to have a relationship with God yes he's trying wants to bring you to himself. To himself. To himself. Because here's what happens when we misplace the Mount Horebs in our life. Here's what happens when we misplace those regions of Sinai in our life. We get our Canaan. We get the land that flows with milk and honey. We have a commission to drive out inhabitants, but we don't drive them all out. And before long, the same people that were just delivered from Egypt are finding them to be entwisted and ensnared by the very perks of their own land and the people of their own land. Because somewhere along the lines, their Mount Zion has become more of a mohill than a mountain to them. What do we see, Brother Fred, all through Scripture? We see all the book of Judges and all these crazy things that happen through there. 
Every man did that which is right in his own eye. Right? They lived their lives as though they didn't have a God. They're living their lives as though the the Mount Sinai and Horeb didn't exist. Oh, thank God for my deliverance. But they have a deliverance without a relationship. And that's one of the scariest places to be for God to deliver you and you never make a relationship with the one who delivered you. You know what that usually entails? Going back into bondage and going back into captivity. And time and time again, Israel did that because they never shored up a confident relationship with God. He's calling me unto himself. Unto himself. If you'll stand with me tonight. Oh, Brother McGee, seriously. Yes, seriously. Because that's just not the story of the Old Testament. It's the story of the New Testament. Because whenever we consider, oh, you're going to say, you'll talk about this. We get here. Listen. Because whenever we consider... The sacrifice of Christ on the cross and the death and the burial, the agony, the crown of thorns, the spear through the side, all the cat of nine tails, all of those things. When we consider all that, we understand virtually this, that that was him securing deliverance for you and me. Because, Brother Trout, you should be the one on the tree and I should be the one on the tree. And our back should be bleeding with hunks of flesh out of it. And we should have the woundings in our hand and feet. The only thing was we would have never had a resurrection on our own. That was deliverance. And look what the scripture says in 1 Peter 3 and verse number 18. Can you get that for me? 1 Peter 3 and verse number 18. I want people to see this. The Bible says, 1 Peter 3, 18. Even if you're after me, it's okay. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. There's a lot of other things people could read into there. Well, he did this because of blah, 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 blah. Because of the Canaan. Because of the miracle. No, 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 no. He did it so that he could bring you to God. What's that? I want to form that relationship. I want to form that Mount Horeb in his life. To have a relationship. And so even in the New Testament scripture, he did what he did. He, he, he bought, he purchased. He was in our stead. He brought deliverance to us so that he could deliver us from that, but deliver us to, us to himself. It's just the way that God is. And let me tell you tonight, we bow our heads across this place. You'll never be delivered unto anyone any better than he. Not one any better than he. Whenever he told Moses, I'm closing. Whenever he told Moses, he said, you saw what I did to the Egyptians and you saw that I carried you upon eagles' wings. This is God, folks. This is God. He used that figurative language that he carried you on eagle's wings. Typically, most birds, I say most, typically most birds carry their young with their talons or their feet or their claws between their feet. Or sometimes even with their beaks, they carry their young. And they do this because they are afraid of birds that fly higher than them, what they might do. 
But the advantage of an eagle is this. No bird soars any higher than it. And he says, so I'm not putting you between my claws or in my beak. I'll let you ride on my wings because you can't get any higher than the height that I take you. That's the type of deliverance God gave us. But he's done that to bring us into a relationship with him. And all across this church tonight, there's been people, there's people sitting here. We've all been delivered from sin. That's been a separator between us and God. We've all been delivered from sin. You can give the label to the sin that you were delivered from. Whatever it may be, you can fill in the blank. Nonetheless, you have been delivered. But again, please don't just consider the deliverance for deliverance itself. He delivered you in order for you to be in relationship with him. He has perks for you. He has your own modern day Canaan and land of milk and honey for you. But you don't go there until you pay some homage at the Mount of God and serve him there and worship him there and let God be the decider when, it's go- when you're ready to pass on to the perks and you can handle that. Let God decide that. I want to be in relationship with him. I think in this time that there is a group of people, not just here, but even elsewhere. There's a group of people in this hour that need to fall back in love with Jesus. There needs to be some people to fall back in love with Jesus and hone that relationship and see all the boundaries and and the statutes that he's placed in my life is for the purpose of protecting the relationship, for the purpose of keeping us tethered and joined and connected to him. Someone say amen. He's calling somebody tonight to himself. Is there anybody in this place that will answer the call of being brought out, but being brought to the Lord in relationship? He's calling you to himself. To himself. Hallelujah. These altars are open tonight all across this place. If there's somebody that says in their spirit, God, I see what you did to my enemies and to my adversaries. I have felt, Lord, how you have borne me up. And you've done all this for the purpose of bringing me to you. And so I'm going to love, as Deuteronomy 6 says, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, all of my soul, strength, as other New Testament scriptures proclaim as well. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love him because the Bible says that our God is a jealous God. Our God is a jealous God. He does not want to share us with anyone else. Amen. He doesn't want to share us with anyone else. He's not willing to share. He isn't willing. He isn't willing to have divided allegiance. He wants our all. He wants our hundred percent. He wants our undivided attention. Amen. He wants to bring us to himself, to himself. Sir, ma'am, if you don't want to come forward, you can pray in your pew tonight at home. Amen. You got the distance of where you are and where we are tonight, but you can pray at home tonight. Amen. Go, amen, to that mount of God. Pay some homage. Pay some homage there. Pay some worship, amen, and some service there unto the Lord. There's a Canaan waiting. Yes, there's all these perks and things waiting, but there'll be a snare to you if you don't have your relationship right with God. There'll be a snare to you. Oh, let's talk to the Lord right now, Brother Mason. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Father, I love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.